0: Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the weekly listen for Farm Selling Direct. We'll talk about the four levers for farm success, which are quality, brand, price, and convenience. We'll hear from outside industry experts and producers like you to delight your customers, save time, and to increase your direct farm sales and business. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. We've got a terrific conversation for you today with the Grass-Fed Exchange. I'm delighted to welcome Russ Conser, the president for the Grass-Fed Exchange. Welcome, Russ.
1: Hi, Alyssa. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you so much for being here. So I guess to get things started, tell us a little bit more about the history of the Grass-Fed Exchange.
1: Yeah, the Grass-Fed Exchange started as a group of farmers and producers in what was then this unusual fringe sector of grass-fed meat production, who decided they need to get together to talk about everything from grazing practices to genetics to marketing. And they literally came together in a barn in Nebraska. That conference grew. It's now 12 years old. Community of people in physical attendance at an annual conference of about 500 people for the next event that we'll be doing in Dallas. We've got a larger facility that will let us get to 700, but we routinely engage with about 4,000 American farmers, producers, marketers, people in the grass-fed industry. I said Dallas, I should say Fort Worth. Don't take offense. Dallas, the Will Rogers Center in Fort Worth. It, it's just wonderful. It's almost like, you know, coming home to Cowtown here in Texas. I'm just outside of Houston, right? With, you know, which is legendary. Fort Worth is legendary in the cattle industry where cattle and all kinds of livestock are a part of a system that can help do good things for the world. So We're excited about looking forward to that, even though it's a year away. It was supposed to be a year ago. Of course, COVID kicked that down the road. But yeah, and it's all about, I mean, our role in life is to, uh, we state our mission is to humbly exchange the knowledge of the gifts we are given to reawaken the health of the people in the land. We're primarily a how-to organization. So this isn't a big theoretical exercise in people and why they ought to get, go grass fed or why they ought to get into regenerative. It's all about how. And it's all about farmer to farmer education and other people in the supply chain, marketers, distributors, processors, et cetera. So yeah, it's farmer started, farmer grown, and other players that that come together in that industry to compare notes and figure out how to do better.
0: That's great. Tell us a little bit more about the mission, you mentioned, you know, giving back to the land, the animals. Mm-hmm. It starts with the producers. It starts with the farmers. So tell us about that mission and the vision behind the Grass-Fed Exchange, as well as I believe you are also the CEO of Blue Nest Beef. So on a personal level, what does this organization mean to you?
1: Oh, wow. It's honestly where uh, a key part of where my journey started anyway. So maybe I'll go there a second because it may be a little bit of a a rabbit hole but the first part of that mission statement, right, to humbly exchange knowledge, it, it it really contains the idea that I have knowledge, I have skills, but there's things I don't know. So I'm humble. So I want to learn from somebody else. And so one of the things that's absolutely true about the grass exchange and our mission here is a willingness and a receptiveness to share what you think you know, but be willing to learn from somebody else all the time, a really giving and sharing environment. We've really expanded that quite a bit to be able to incorporate people of all ages. So it's really fun to watch young people engage with people who have been doing it for a while and learn something like profound. And likewise, the other way around, people that have been seasoned farmers in the space, learning from great questions and insights that young, innovative farmers and producers are doing. The second part of that mission statement, which is to awaken the health of both land and people, is a recognition, right? Intimately connected. I guess I'll avoid the really uh, big rabbit hole here, but I, I think if there's one way to characterize what's gone wrong in the last 500 years, if not 10,000 years, is that we unwittingly adopted an assumption that separated us as humans from the natural systems that we're a part of. There's this big divide. And I think one of the things that all regenerative producers come to recognize is that the health of land and people are intrinsically connected. They're literally grounded in soil. And, and so, you know, the whole industry, right, has moved from this appreciation. I think if you, in, in the proto kind of grass-fed industry 10 or 20 years ago, you would have found that the conversation started among people like, okay, I'm not a not a cattle farmer. I'm, I'm a grass farmer. But I think today you'll find that most people realize they're actually soil builders and that the cattle and the grass and all the other parts of an ecosystem are part of making that happen. And then in recognition of that, the product from that has to flow through a viable supply chain of processors and marketers and distributors that get that healthy product all the way to the consumer's plate in a way that the consumer values it, appreciates it, can get it when they want it, right? Huge problem and opportunity. And so really what we try to be as the Grassfed Exchange is a place where everybody can get together, you know, see old friends like you can at any Conference, meet many new ones, but then learn from each other on on how to kind of make that whole system work. We really do think that the only future for farming in America or anywhere in the world is regenerative in the long run. And the only way we're going to get there is by comparing notes farmer to farmer, actor to actor in that system to get there. Now, in terms of my own role or my own kind of history, I had nothing to do with agriculture eight years ago. And I, I happened to be there when Alan Savory gave his famous talk at TED that really catalyzed a lot of people and found it very intriguing, but it wasn't until some further serendipity fell into place uh, a few weeks later that caused me to really look into this question. You know, I'm an engineer and a scientist by background. And, and so for me, I was already on the kind of the grass fed train f- for health benefits early on. But what really intrigued me about the space were the potential solutions for climate change and environmental problems. And serendipity led me to meet my now wonderful friend, Peter Bick. Many people know him as a movie producer, the Solar Carbon Cowboys videos that people see. And uh, so I got on the phone because somebody encouraged me to meet this crazy Peter Bick guy. <laughs> and Peter just kept twisting my arm. Rush, you need to come to the Grassfed Exchange. Rush, you need to come to the Grassfed Exchange. <laughs> he wouldn't let up. And that was in 2013 when the GrassFit Exchange was being held in Bismarck, North Dakota. And so I flew all the way from Houston to Bismarck, North Dakota. I'd never been up there before and just thought this was the most amazing thing ever, that these farmers, not only could I see with my own eyes, You know, there's magic that would happen in ecosystems when farmers produce differently. But what I saw was just this incredible open, welcoming spirit in the community of farmers where they were, you know, learning and sharing with one another. As an engineer by background, you know, pragmatism is what wins. You know, I care about things that work. And what I saw was farmers and ranchers, they're just making stuff work. They're working hard every day to learn and they're doing amazing things. And so literally I... (laughs) I would already made the decision. oh, I'm coming back next year. I have nothing to do with this industry, but these people are awesome. And and I was already all signed up to attend in 2014 when it was in Missouri. And and then the, the keynote speaker Fred Provenza uh, became ill, and they called and said, "Hey Russ, you want to give a keynote talk about soil carbon?" <laughs> and and so suddenly I was a speaker at an event I was just planning to go to to attend, and uh, that just you know m- made me you know much more deeply connected to this community. They asked me to join up and be a part of their community. And I guess the rest is history. So even things like this blue nest beef, I mean, it's kind of, what can I do for it? I continue to be very involved in the science, but the commercial side of me is what can I do to help get the industry moving in the direction by bridging the gap with consumers. So.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great to hear that it started as, you know, a passion project of something you were curious about and interested in, because I think, you know, when you're confronted a problem, sometimes it starts with I'm curious about this. How can we fix this? How can we solve this and then having that community build around that common problem and working together and figuring out a way to yeah. you know adapt and to evolve. So how would you say that the organization, the fed exchange, has evolved over the years? It started as a conference, but now looking ahead in 2021, almost midway through the year, how has the organization evolved going into the future?
1: Well, one of the first things I'd say important that's proudly already in our most recent history is we've greatly expanded the diversity in age and location and participation of everything you think of in the demographics. So really, when the grassroots Exchange started, it was dominated by seasoned farmers that were just trying to make ends meet, make something work. And only through the gracious support of other partners, did we start really going out and targeting, bringing young people into this solution. And it fundamentally transformed the organization into a place where now we got, you know, it's, it's fun when you have little kids running around under your feet at a conference, you know, and people holding their babies because they're welcome. It's multi-generational and that's, you know, incredibly exciting It was also important for the Grass-Fed Exchange in our recent past. That first trip to Bismarck, North Dakota, coming up on eight years ago now, was like a big step for Grass-Fed Exchange. You know, should we just be like a little local event that people come to, or should we try to get out and move around? And it was such a success that the Grass-Fed Exchange has now been around every corner of the country, or not every corner, but many corners of the country. Georgia, New York, last year we were in California, came back to South Dakota, we're in Texas this year, I'm really proud that we're going to be in Texas. Uh, the following year, we're planning to go to Canada, so to be truly international, a small step international. <laughs> it, we're, we're planning to be in Calgary. And where we go, I think, is kind of a, we're beginning the phases now of virtualization of this community. It's a great tribe, flock, network of folks that have come to know each other, that it you know has this welcoming, sharing attitude, like many people significantly set back by COVID and the difficulties in getting together face-to-face. So recently, we've started monthly virtual events here where we call them the hallway conversations. You know, it's kind of like the B-tracks, I guess, of a recording studio type stuff. But <laughs> when we when we talked about it as a board, we recognized that the thing we missed about the conference wasn't the PowerPoints. It, it was the opportunity to compare notes with other like-minded and curious people in the hallways between those big talks. And so we decided to focus our energy until we can get together again on uh, taking one topic a month, getting a couple of interesting people to just start a conversation and then inviting a larger community to be a part of it. So, you know, as a grass exchange, we're always looking to try to have conversations. Again, it's exchange of knowledge. We're not trying to preach or pass along something that's in a textbook. We're exploring space together. So we're very happy to wrestle with difficult issues for which there are no immediate answers, but you got knowledgeable people sharing what they know. So we've done panels so far on things like processing, on family transitions, on diversity. Uh, This month, uh, we'll be running one on carbon markets. That's kind of a big thing now that uh, a lot of people are talking about. Is this something that's interesting to ranchers and how it works? So that's been a big hit. And we we hope to do more of that. Where that takes us is a grass-fed exchange, not completely clear yet but if we can be a network of people that can be there to humbly exchange knowledge to help awaken the health of land and people wherever people are whenever people are you know we're gonna we're not wedded to the conference itself as the form we need to be and we love it it's always great to get together with friends and i'm sure like every event it's going to be more special than ever when we get to get back together again right the important part is you know we we're all living still amongst broken land. I mean, the world got to see the broken meat and livestock industry last year, right? When COVID hit early, right? And all the big meat packing and processing plants started falling apart. People started looking around, where am I going to get my family's food? And and I think, you know, it's, it's not like the world's going to change overnight, but I think it opens some eyes and it's kind of helping move the ball in the right direction. So Exciting times. And, you know, we are humbly proud if, if that kind of paradox can exist together, that we can be a part of it.
0: I think it's, it's so important. And I love how you how you touch on the common thread throughout your organization, throughout the years of exchanging information, being able to learn, to being able to teach and to learn from each other. So what would you say are some of the most beneficial aspects of being a part of this community? You touched on the education component to it, but I understand that you also support regenerative ranchers and you also support or have people involved from the grassroots industry who are just supporters too. Mm-hmm. So what are mm-hmm. some of those beneficial aspects from the farmer side or the rancher side?
1: Well, I think the big beneficial aspect of the farmers, whether it's you know at the event, or between the events or in virtual events, or whatever the case may be, is the opportunity to plug into this network of knowledge exchange that is truly humble. I mean, what I've seen is lives transformed, and not because somebody watched Gabe Brown on a YouTube video, but because they met Gabe Brown. And when they had a question, they called him up and Gabe answered the question. Now, I hope Gabe's phone doesn't start ringing off the hook. But You know, that Gabe Brown quality of people, whether they're young or old or they've ever been on a video or anything before, they're all over the country. I mean, we have amazing regenerative producers, families, young and old, that are out there figuring out how to make, you know, grow grass that grows healthy soil and grow healthy meat. Everywhere in the country, and the opportunity to pick up the phone or text message or email someone you met or talked to or saw. What's really awesome about this community is it's just so giving. People are routinely reaching out to each other, and getting plugged into people who are willing to help. And you know, I'm just a cog in the wheel, kind of near to, you know, all the hard work that the many pioneers who built this organization have created. And I'm sure the that many that'll come afterwards, but. The power isn't in us as a board or officers at all. It's it's all in that kind of farmer to farmer interaction all the time. The power of the organization is that ethos and culture of that community that's willing to share.
0: And I think between those hallway conversations, as well as the conference itself, you're giving people that opportunity to interact and to engage and learn from one another as well. So for looking at the, the conference through that lens, I know you hold that conference annually every year. What would you say is maybe a point for those looking to attend? What can they expect from attending the conference?
1: The important thing to understand is that it's a how-to conference. That's how I like to describe it. So yes, you can come and get inspired, but hopefully you're inspired because you find people that are actually getting stuff done and you you can learn about how to get whatever it is done you need to get done done. It sounded kind of weird, but because it's a how-to conference, it's broken up into three primary parts. It's a three-day event. The first day is all field tours. In Texas this year, we have five field tours, or next year, we have five field tours set up to basically head to several different points of the compass that will visit multiple farms that are either pioneers or working hard on different dimensions, whether it's amazing grazing at Birdwell Clark. You haven't seen anything until you've seen a, a herd of 5,000 cattle pick up and move four times a day all at once. It's like it's like watching a feedlot get up and relocate itself, right? You know, it's yeah. like the, <laughs> the super tanker of uh, rotational grazing. Or you can go up to the Noble Research Ranch and learn about some of the interesting science that they're doing with grazing and cattle or genetics. It's just... It's, it's picking apart different types of things. You know, John and Wendy Taggart at Burgundy Beef, some of the early pioneers in grass-fed beef right here in Texas, just south of Fort Worth. They've been running the kind of the full farm system for a while, finishing their own cattle, processing. They have their own butcher shops and online retail. So people who want to learn about that marketing, they can come learn about that. And instead of like learning about it in a PowerPoint presentation, you're going to go spend the day with John and Wendy, right? It's that richness of hands-on learning that's important on that first day. The second day is more of what you'd expect with feature speakers, uh, usually in depth. Our talks are typically about an hour, but a lot of good break time. So hour long breaks with a large exhibit floor. This year we'll even have some interesting things going on like a demonstration of uh, butchery. So people can come in and see how, you know, how you might be able to market some different cuts of uh, meats the animals and learn what it takes to do that. So. And it's going to be fun for the upcoming one instead of doing what we usually do, which is kind of a big evening, kind of interesting, provocative talk. We're we're holding a good Texas barbecue and folk dance. So what we call the regeneration celebration. So you can expect to come and have fun. And then on that last day, day three, it's all about smaller group topical breakout sessions, mostly a little bit of presentation, but a lot of conversation in those things. So take a topic, invite two or three people to give some introductory comments, and then start a dialogue in that group. So whether that's challenges in grazing management in different environments, or how to market your beef, or how to deal with land and family transitions over generations, these kind of topics... are are things that, you know, we can get those deeper practical dives in. So that kind of three-part event, in-field tours that are with people that are doing real stuff, big inspirational talks with great breakout sessions or great breaks to talk and meet people and learn things, and then good breakout sessions on the third day to go in-depth in areas that you're particularly interested in. I think we're all humbly learning at at this point in this space, very excited about what we see. You know, personally, the farm tours are, to me, always Fun. There's just nothing like seeing farms in completely different parts of the country applying the same principles, but in very, very different ways and, you know, getting exciting results. And, you know, learning learning things. You know, part of that knowledge exchange isn't just like knowledge that works. It's like I did this and it didn't work. And I lost my butt. And here's how we survived it, or whatever. It is not at all uncommon at the grass fed exchange to hear someone. Um, tell you their story of what went wrong. And uh, again, that's a part of that humble exchange. Yeah,
0: I, I love how you present the information too in different ways. So you have those breakout groups, you go on the farm tour, you also have those keynotes and presentations, because people absorb information in different ways and being able to have that hands on experience to go do, you know, what they're going to do on their farm as well. And then with that theme, tell us a little bit more about the the theme for your event, which is Rooted in Wisdom. What was the decision to have yeah. this conference Rooted in Wisdom?
1: You've been paying attention because we just uh-huh. came up with that a couple of <laughs> weeks ago and we're very excited about it. I mean, we felt our our previously planned event for Fort Worth was called Shared Stewardship. That felt really good at the time. And COVID kind of changed everything. And we had a really good conversation of the board of, you know, what's the meaningful conversation we need to have now? Wisdom is one of those really powerful words, right, that allows us to connect to knowledge in whatever form it may be. It may be the wisdom of the land itself, but it may be the wisdom of different peoples. You know, I'm particularly fascinated here in Texas with the wisdom of indigenous peoples that came before us. and So I think you can expect to hear that kind of um, stuff. But it could be, you know, your own grandma's wisdom or some other cultural wisdom. We think that that, you know, I like my friend uh, Fred Provenza, happens to be the guy that I stood in for there. The Grassley Exchange in 2014 likes to call Rediscovering Our Nutritional Wisdom, I think is the subtitle of his book, Nourishment. I don't know if you've read that great book. And, and he uses this phrase, wisdom of the body, right? Which is a key path to health is learning that your body is trying to be healthy and how do you help it get there? Well, it's true in the pasture as well. It's true in the land, right? And and so, of course, roots is a great word for anything to do with agriculture, especially if you if you're in the pasture business. So yeah, we're pretty excited about rooted in wisdom. We're literally just starting to shape our agenda now for the for the big talks and breakouts, and we'll, we'll uh, probably be announcing that in a couple months. That's
0: exciting. In one year's time, right? May 18th, I believe is the May 18th 18th of 2022.
1: (laughs) So yeah, just a little over a year from now. And that should really be, one of the things we try to do with our uh, conference is time it to really get the most out of those tours. And mid-May in North Central Texas, you know, the grass is really rocking. You know, it's getting warm, but it's not hot. And, uh, you know, these tours that we have, will allow people to explore and see, you know, some really interesting things in the field. You know, you can do an indoor conference any time of year, but it's those tours that really kind of, you know, wet up with the calendar of the sunshine. So far, we've been blessed with those tours. You, but One of the things that is fun with farmers is they're not afraid of rain either, and they're not afraid <laughs> to get, <laughs> you know, mud on their boots, if that's what it is. We, we had some pretty massive rainstorms in South Dakota a couple of years ago, and we had to call a couple audibles on tours, but we did them and we had a blast doing them. It'll be seared in my memory for a lifetime. The day we visited the 777 Bison Ranch in South Dakota on a rainy day and watching the herd of bison go up the hills and down the other side. And in this case, it literally was the ranch that Dances with Wolves was filmed at. So, I mean, it's just amazing to see ecosystems function in ways that I think we take for granted. Back at the the first time I, I always take my wife, with me, and we went to the grass exchange in Missouri, and the first moment we set foot on the pasture, and she grew up on a farm here in Texas. It's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's different, right? You know, it's full of insects and butterflies, and look at all the bees and the birds are singing. You know, it's a completely different world than industrialized farmland, which is, you know, pretty much dominates the landscape everywhere. So, yeah. and, you know, it's an inspiring community to be a part of, it's a humbling community to be a part of, and it's a, a privilege to be a part of it.
0: That's terrific. And I understand that you also have, or at least last year, you implemented the Herd Fellow Scholarship Program.
1: Yep. That's what I was referring to earlier when I brought young people in. A, a, A group of philanthropists that called themselves the Herd said, We really think the big issue is transferring knowledge to the next generation of farmers. This would have been 2015, 16, somewhere in there. And we said, Well, why don't we work together? because we got a bunch of old farmers here let's work together to bring some young farmers in to meet the old farmers and you know they'll probably both enjoy it and it's such a huge hit that it, it, i think i still remember the day in 2016 in georgia when we had the first class of herd fellows these are people whose you know opportunity to attend this conference been funded by donors and it was really kind of on a whim I think we had something like 30 herd fellows in the room at lunch and said, oh, come on, stand up. We're going to have you all introduce yourselves. And I, it was almost palpable. I could see tears in the eyes of our farmers because for the first time, they saw hope in the future of farming. They could see that, that the painful story of agriculture is family after family that's watched the next generation grow up, move to town, and, and you know not become interested in keeping the traditions of farming Live and going, and what we're seeing, I think, all across America now, is an interest and an appetite in a new generation. Some have their roots in farming; some don't. I'm all, I'm always blown away by the story of the city girl or the city kid that you know had nothing to do with farming but jumped into it. One of our board members, Sarah Gleason, now is a bison rancher in Colorado, and she was a marketer working in Washington D.C. <laughs> and, and It's just. Crazy when you see people find their passion, find their path, and importantly, you know, Grassfed Exchange isn't alone. We're really proud of what we do here, but you know, we're an opportunity where people can plug into other people to learn from. If this is what you feel called to do, what you want to do, what you're passionate about, you can come to the GrassFit Exchange and feel welcome and want to get your boots dirty and and learn. Then then you're very likely to meet someone that can help you. And possibly become your best friend. Everybody is in this space is just so willing to give, and for us, our role is just to get them connected and stand back. So,
0: yeah, that's that's great to hear that you know passing it on to the next generation yeah. is you know top of mind because like you said, you know farmers as they retire out or you know if they're you know have a family farm that maybe they're trying to figure out, you know, if their their kids are interested in taking over the family farm, being able to educate and give resources around that as well. So how can listeners support the grassfed exchange and whether that be through the herd fellow program or possibly another well, program people
1: can absolutely if people are interested in donating the herd fellowship program they can certainly uh, drop an email to us at info at and we'd be happy to chat with you participate in one of our virtual hallway conversations which we do by zoom and Facebook live so we try to make that really easy you don't have to register or anything if you just go to the grass exchange facebook page on when the event goes live, we can participate in that conversation and start, you know, put it on your calendar now, be in Fort Worth on May 18th through the 20th Mm -hmm. of uh, 2022. Uh, And uh, prepare to meet some interesting people and compare notes and learn. It's it's really farmer to farmer and other kind of people that are playing in the sector, but there, there are people that come just to be a part of this amazing community. I know that's exactly how I came into it.
0: That's exciting. And thinking from, you know, all the community that you have, you're able to support them through the conference, through those hallway conversations, through the farm tours, what about throughout the remainder of the year? You mentioned how there's mentorship opportunities, how organically they just happen.
1: We're an all-volunteer organization, so we don't have a lot of resources ourselves. We try to keep the event itself very, very affordable to the farmers. That's just really fundamental uh, to me. You know, this this is this is not an event where you should feel like you have to be wealthy to participate, right? And so we're appreciative of sponsors like you at Barn and that help through your sponsorship and support this thing. So we welcome sponsors to help defray those costs to keep them down for farmers. I would like to think that someday we can grow big enough and have enough sponsors and activity that you know we could become a standing organization that we could actually have some paid staff to kind of keep the machine going. Then we could start building knowledge infrastructure and things like that that can be more effective over time. Right now it's that organic sharing mostly between people that makes the machine work for now. You know, even with that organic stuff, you know, we've talked several times about doing various other types of virtual. Forms forums even tried a few things, but there, there's just nothing like texting back and forth with friends or wrestling with similar problems to learn, right? So that very one-to-one relationship, that's this web of network that forms is, to, to me, the real power. Some of these big things that you'll hear at a regenerative event like the Grassfed Exchange is, you know, the world is completely different. Where instead of waking up in the morning and trying to figure out what you need to kill today that wants to grow like a weed? How do you help what wants to live live? It's a completely different mentality for people. And I, I think it's fundamental to the prosperity the health of the health of our economy, the planet, of people, of everything. So I, I hope that some of that stays with us on the other side, but I will settle for an increased appreciation of consumers who know their farmer who know where their food comes from, who knows that food can be produced in a way that does good things or bad things for the environment, and that they vote with their pocketbook to be a part of the farm system that's doing good things for the world. So and and I think there's gonna be some stickiness to it for sure. you, you know, I, I I think people are, you know, way more comfortable today with clicking on a button on a desktop or a phone and seeing a magic box of food show up on the doorstep. It's got to be good for a lot of the farmers at Barn to Door.
0: I think to your point, there's always something you can learn. You haven't you know, ever fully yeah. arrived to understand this is how I approach farming because it can change and trying to be innovative and getting ahead of it as well. What about the farmers who um, transition their business online as their pivot strategy? What have you noticed have been some of those effective tactics that they've implemented to bring their business online direct to market?
1: Yeah, I think most of the people that were online have done well. And those that got online, you know, did pretty well as well. I think everyone's learning how to make that stuff work. It can be from managing inventory to setting prices to, you know, figuring out the processor and customer service. And it sure sounds easier to ship until you have to do it. So there's a whole new angle uh, to this stuff. I I think the online opportunities for farmers are a real plus. And, and they've expanded greatly over the course of the last year. And, you know, I'm sure that's not without turmoil and trouble in some places and not in others like any other startup system. But I think that the moved online is here to stay. I think that's one of the really positive things that y'all at Barn to Door are really doing is, is how do we make this so we don't have to start from scratch every time. It's just, we, we got to figure out how to, bring scale to the operations as well as scale to the knowledge in, in making this stuff work. So, But I think more and more people are figuring out how to do that and, and feel pretty good about it.
0: Because so I think sometimes we talk about convenience either just for the buyer or just for the farmer, but really convenience for both. Is this an option that is going to save me time and money as a farmer and a producer, but also provide convenient options for my buyers? Because they both have to go inside for it to be, you know, like you mentioned, worthwhile for that business to go that route.
1: Yeah, literally, when I came back from that first grass-fed exchange, I was like, oh, man, how am I going to go find a farmer that I can have confidence in to buy my family's food from? Because I just really wanted to do something other than buy that thing that was labeled grass at the grocery store. And it was hard. <laughs> it was really hard. And it wasn't until I met some people, honestly, through the grass exchange that I solved that problem. But, you know, who's going to do that? I'm, I'm such a weird and unusual guy. I'm, I'm like the only guy in the history that had nothing to do with the industry that flew from Houston to Bismarck to meet a bunch of farmers because there might be something interesting about climate change and soil carbon involved. So that's a totally unscalable model, right? You know, my own route <laughs> is unscalable, but I think the opportunities that, that or you know, companies like yours are bringing to this where you can kind of marry that, make it easier for the farmer and make it easier for the consumers at the same time is really awesome.
0: For sure. Well, looking ahead, I know a lot of these farmers, these ranchers are in their busy season. So transitioning or pivoting a little bit, what advice are you giving to some of the farmers and ranchers in your community, knowing that there are unknowns into the future with respect to potential routes to market?
1: That's a part of the genius of the Grass-Fed Exchange. We don't give advice to anybody. In fact, we'll even get requests from time to time, you know, give us your opinion, give us your advice on that, but that's not what we're here for, even on political issues. What we want to be here is to be a forum where we can exchange knowledge. So I had somebody reach out to me the other day that was a Grass-Fed producer here north of Houston that knew a friend and said, you know, hey, I'm struggling with some stuff. What can I do about that? You know, here, I'm trying to learn this stuff and figure out where to go. Well, I was able to very quickly hook him up with another... Farmer that's not too far from where he was, that and I think by now they've struck up a conversation and they carry it on. So, the advice, the insight doesn't come from any one of us, it comes from each of us to all of us, given a different setting. So, you know, all in, because I have a background in science and engineering, the kind of advice that people call me for on science and technology and soil carbon and measuring scientific stuff and all that kind of thing. But, you know, it's this richness of the network where advice and insight can flow freely between people who are willing givers and humble receivers. That's what we're here for. And anything we can do as a grass exchange to kind of explicitly set up a forum to have a conversation. Like I said, the next conversation we'll be doing here on Carbon Markets, you know, people may want answers. What we're going to do is have a conversation that allows them to hear some people who are wrestling with these issues. Talk about it. And then they make up their own decisions. Well, that made sense. I liked what he or she was saying. I should, you know, give them a call. I should learn more about that or I'll look into this. And to to me, that's what the Grass Exchange is about. There's no book on that bookshelf that has the answers or the recipe and how to go about this. But somewhere out there in our community is someone who either knows the answer or is working towards it that is willing to share. And that's what we try to focus on.
0: I also think from a brainstorming standpoint as well, when you have more people involved in that you know, forum where it's safe to exchange ideas and thoughts and creativity is kind of fostered in that type of environment as well.
1: Completely. I, th- I think, you know, creating a safe place where both crazy ideas and past failures can be shared and celebrated is fundamental to creativity. My my background actually is in large corporation innovation. And I used to run a large international program of investing in people with just out-of-the-box super crazy energy technology ideas. And you know, that's just such an important part. It, you, you have to create an open sharing space where people can entertain, play with, explore, try, fail, try again. That's how change happens. It doesn't happen because somebody read the magic solution for the future in a book and implemented it and boom, bang, you know, it was successful. It's just not how success happens. Success is hard work. It's trying, it's failing, it's learning, it's trying something different. And then, you know, finally it comes together. So... You know we're all on a journey in our lives, and you know I think Grass-Fed Exchange is really just an embodiment of that.
0: Well said. <laughs> Before we sign off, is there? I guess I would say on the personal side, then, from your science background, you have background with innovation and businesses. Do you have any advice that you'd want to share with farmers?
1: Yeah, the magic is always in what you think you know that isn't so, as they say, right? I, one of the things I've absolutely learned in uh, breakthrough science and engineering and technology is is that it's very often the hidden assumptions in what we think is necessarily true or practically true or always the way we've done it. Because whatever that is, there's hidden assumptions in there. And the future is contained in you know some new idea that violates the assumption that you didn't even know was there. So that willingness to realize, and this is where humility becomes so important, right? To realize that none of us knows as much as we might like to pretend we know. like helps keep us open to learning from others, to trying things new. And then it also, I think, helps protect us from that. Like, okay, well, I tried that. It didn't work. It, you know, One of the beautiful things about regenerative grazing is that every day is a new experiment. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, Um, you can try something and if it works great, do it again tomorrow. So what's incredibly inspiring about these regenerative producers around America and even all around the world now is that they're just people that have gone out there with a willingness to try. And, you know, they didn't hold themselves back. They didn't use an excuse that, well, that's the way my daddy did it. That's the way it's always been done. That's the way we know for sure it works. Whatever those excuses are, you know, we have to learn how to, you know, look through, look past, even intentionally, you know, in in my corporate world, I used to tell my my bosses, I I know this is going to sound funny for 95% of the stuff you do. There's brilliance already in the way it's done and you should keep doing it that way. But if you're looking for the 5% that, that holds the keys to doing something fundamentally new that you could do, that could be really important. Do the opposite of what you think you should do, right? If your intuition says, go right, try left. And it's only in that trying left that you will have an opportunity to learn something that, yeah, left is a really bad idea. (laughs) Maybe nine times out of 10, left is really bad. But, you know, one time out of 10, left opened a pathway uh, to something new. It's the whole Robert Frost, the road less traveled thing, right? I, I think the, the successful regenerative farmers are the ones that have given themselves to permission to experiment in new directions. One of the fundamental things that they do to do that is they don't get arrogant, overconfident, anything about predicting what the outcome of any given decision is going to be. They become not only great experimenters, but incredible observers of whatever happens from that experiment. So if you go, if you turn left and you just keep walking left and you don't pay attention to what's going on, you might fall off a cliff that's over the left hand road, right? But the, the, the real regenerative producers that are doing amazing things in regenerative meat production are people that get up in the morning and they look at their grass, they watch the birds, they smell the soil, they appreciate the spider webs out there that they didn't know were missing before. It's that developing the power of observation is the necessary companion to the willingness to try. You put those two things together and who knows where you show up, you know, where you can get to. I I would say we are so early in in this new transition to regenerative agriculture that there's going to be people experimenting, trying, learning, failing, uh, succeeding for generations. This is not something we're going to solve and implement and replicate, you know, you not know, going to snap our magic fingers and have suddenly, you know, every acre of farm and pasture land in America produced differently. But if, if we get up every day and try to humbly learn, then I think, you know, by the time my grandchildren are older and younger, we will have reinvigorated our ecosystems here. So there you go. A bit philosophical, but that's how I see the world.
0: Well, it definitely starts with mindset. You know, before you implement change, you have to just think about, you know, what are my options and thinking outside the box from there too.
1: Yeah. And it really is honestly the hardest part for many people is giving yourself permission Mm -hmm. to think outside the box because anytime you give yourself the permission to try something out of the box, you have to be willing to give yourself the permission to fail, right? If you're not willing to fail, if it doesn't go right, then you know, you better not start because you're going to fail more often than you're going to succeed early on in any new ventures. I mean, it's, it's good that we have a lot of people that like to repeat and replicate you know, proven, tried and true things, but the world only changes when people explore those other roads and find something new, interesting, valuable that helps us all. That's what we need to do.
0: What's next for the Grassfed Exchange?
1: I, I think figuring out how we're only about six months into this virtual conversation stuff and figuring out how do we build structures that help that kind of stuff happen more easily in more places, more of the time. That may be entirely virtual. It may be, you know, more regional opportunities where farmers and ranchers can get together on a more local basis. That's probably a little bit further out. Again, we need more institutional structure to be able to do that. But I I can easily see that 10 years down the road that, you know, we could have little grass-fed exchanges happening in all corners of the country where smaller groups of farmers get together and humbly exchange knowledge on a regular basis. And then, you know, some of them come together at a national event once a year. And even more people pop in and out of virtual conversations that are happening, you know, on a more regular basis over time. So we're very much in this mode I described with trying, observing, and learning right now. So what applies to the pasture applies to our own activities. And uh, we're really encouraged with these hallway conversations and where they've started. But who knows, we'll keep doing the trying and observing, like I said.
0: Well, I'm excited to hear where you guys end up and to check in with you in a year's time, because I'm sure a lot will change within the year. So thank you so much, Russ, for joining us today.
1: I hope you get to come to Fort Worth too and be present with us there. It should be a blast. So
0: I hope so. Yeah. And for the folks listening in, please mark your calendars for May 18th of 2022. So not 2021, May 18th through May 20th, 2022 in Fort Worth, Texas for the Grass-Fed Exchange Conference. And I also want to extend my thanks to all the regenerative ranchers and grass-fed industry supporters who are part of the Grass-Fed Exchange community. At Barn to Door, we are delighted to serve regenerative ranchers and farmers in all 50 states. For more information on the Grass-Fed Exchange, you can visit their website, grassfedexchange.com. And to learn more about Barn to Door, including access to numerous free resources and best practices for your farm, you can go to bartodore.com slash resources. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time.
1: Awesome, Melissa. Thanks for having me.